Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, my first guest for today is Lanisha DeBarlevin, the president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum, and also the leader, uh, as a matter of fact, the board chair, I think you still are, of all the African American museums in the country. And she comes up with some innovative and dynamic ways to raise money to keep uh, Black art and the museums alive. And uh, I'd like to have her talk right now about her event, which is going to be on February 7th at 5.30 p.m. at the Four Seasons Hotel. And she has got the KIRO TV anchors to play a major part. So, Anisha, thank you very much for what you do for the community. And why don't you share with our listeners what you have planned and how they can participate. Thank you so much, Eddie. It's a delight for the Northwest African American Museum to be here to talk about the upcoming event that will be on October 7 at 5.30 p.m. at the Four Seasons Hotel in Seattle. It is NAM's Unity Benefit. We are advancing equity and we are honoring champions at this event. This is the museum's annual uh, fundraiser event for the year. And we are striving to raise the funds that make all of our other programs accessible to the community throughout the rest of the year. This year is special because we are presenting the inaugural Champions of Unity Award to two individuals who are true champions in our region. And that is Dr. Constance Rice and former Mayor Norman Rice will be receiving the first ever Champions of Unity Award. This is an award that NAM will give out annually at this benefit event. And we're so delighted to honor and celebrate uh, these two amazing regional leaders that have opened up so many doors for so many and they'll be honored and celebrated that night. The host muted himself. <laughs> But uh, why don't you share with our listeners a little bit for people that don't know exactly how things go. You know, we've had uh, two years of a pandemic and folks are finally getting back out. Uh, what exactly is NAM offering right now to the public? Uh, have you reopened the museum for visitors to come in? Are you having events there? What is the status right now? NAM has been nonstop at engaging with community in spite of uh, all of the challenges and the closure. We are so excited to prepare to reopen the museum. We will have a grand community reopening of the museum on Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, in January. And we are just looking forward to re-engaging in the building, in the facility with the community. And until then, we've been nonstop. Our African-American Cultural Ensemble Choir has been singing all over the region. The museum has been popping up with our Knowledge is Power pop-up program, distributing free African-American children's books. We have been nonstop in our educational engagement. And so we're thrilled about uh, what NAM is doing and where NAM is going and where we're headed. We are continuing to fulfill our mission in really innovative ways. And so the night of the Unity event, we're gonna celebrate all of that. And the theme is called Elevate for that night. And that is what NAM has been doing. That's what community has been doing, especially over the last two years. It's been a hard and heavy two years for everybody. And we've overcome a lot and we will uh, celebrate and uh, continue to rise to higher ground. And we invite everybody to, to visit NAM's website to learn more about this event. Uh, the Unity Benefit is going to be an evening not to be missed. We will showcase African-American artists, uh, both fine artists. Um, we will have a spoken word artists. We will have musical artists. We will have a dance artist, a dance artist there as well. And so we will be showcasing Black excellence extraordinaire. Um, that will really inspire individuals to, um, to continue to dream big, think big, do big things for, um, for our region and to bring equity and justice to our region. When will uh, you allow for group tours to come through? Because I've been encouraging some of the educators because you know the complexions of the schools and the CD have changed quite significantly. But if you're going to be in the CD, you might as well know some about the CD. And uh, NAM is a good way for people to become acquainted with the property they're now occupying to learn about the people that used to occupy that property. So when are you going to be open up for visitations and tours at the museum? 
King Day 2023 is when all tours will reconvene. We're going to be having our grand community reopening then. Tours will start. Rental events will continue to happen at NAM. Starting on King Day, it will be a grand and festive day for the community on that day. So we can look, look forward to that now. Also, in the past, uh, you guys have hosted like events uh, outside organizations were able to uh, lease space and have dinners and other banquets and other kind of uh, uh, entertainment kind of venues. Uh, that will start in January as well. Absolutely. The community can come and utilize the museum in the ways that they're so used to doing and enjoying. We're really looking forward to, uh, to reconvening with community on King Day and beyond. Well, I know uh, some of the people in the, the, the ensemble and uh, Jason Turner is a good leader, but I'd like to have you just talk about some of the other people who are on your staff who helping me uh, making this dream come to a reality. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the choir, we have some amazing vocalists in the choir. Josephine Howell is a, a wonderful uh, voice in our community who's also a part of NAMS Ace Choir and so many other amazing vocalists. We were... Um, we were uh, saddened to hear the loss of Pat Wright. She was really influential in training so many of the vocalists that are in our choir. So we really wouldn't have our choir if it were not for Pat Wright and those, um, those early um, uh, music uh, legends. And so on the NAM team, we are thrilled that one of our honorees who will be honored at the Unity Benefit, former Mayor Norman Rice, is a board member of the museum and has okay. been a champion of not just the region, but of the museum and of African-American heritage, art and culture in our region. And so we are, we're very proud of um, just helping to um, improve the region by helping us all to understand our history, our sales and um, our destiny, our common destiny as a people. Now, you mentioned that uh, Norman was uh, the chair or on the board of NAMS, uh, uh, was on NAMS board. Now, I understand Dr. Rice is also the chair of a museum downtown. Absolutely. Dr. Constance Rice has made history at the Seattle Art Museum as that museum's very first African-American board chair. We are celebrating the um, just the, the trailblazing career that Dr. Rice has led. She also serves on the Board of Regents for the University of Washington. She is a leader extraordinaire and uh, has touched and inspired so many lives. She's the mentor to so many women in leadership. And so we are gonna lift her up and celebrate her because she's invested in so many wonderful initiatives of our region. Okay, before we go one more time, how can people get information and how can they make contributions uh, to keep NAM, NAM alive? We invite folks to go to our website, www.naamnw.org, to learn about this Unity event and all things NAM. We also invite individuals to follow us on social media. That's another way folks can learn about everybody who's going to be a part of this event. Uh, we're going to have the, the DJ uh, extraordinaire, Chakundi Salisbury, is going to be DJing, right. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun at this event. So folks can follow us on social media and tune to our website. Tickets can be purchased on NAM's website and uh, all the info is there to obtain. Well, uh, President and CEO, Lanisha DeBartlebin, thank you so much for what you're doing for the museum and for the community. And uh, I wish you nothing but success in the future because you have been a very successful leader of that museum. So thank you very much and we'll talk with you soon. Thank you, Eddie. I appreciate your partnership. All right, now, thank you very much. Okay, my next guest is from Tacoma. Uh, Michelle Ogden is the office manager for the Tacoma Urban League. And uh, they also have a big event coming up, uh, Empowerment uh, 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 Dinner, that will be happening uh, on October 6th. Is that right, uh, Michelle? That is correct. October 6th at Hotel Murano in Tacoma, Washington. Okay, why don't you uh, start out by letting people know a little bit about yourself and a little about the good work that the Tacoma Urban League is doing. Sure, so I'm Michelle, I'm the office manager here at the Tacoma Urban League. 
Um, I've been here for five years under the leadership and of Tawana Nobles. Um, she sends her warm wishes and hello um, to the community and to you, Mr. Rye. Um, we have been in the community for over 50 years, um, focusing on social justice, advocacy, um, economic empowerment, education, and housing programs. Well, I knew um, one of the first directors, Mr. Thomas Dixon, real well. I go right. way back with him and the late Harold Moss and all uh, those folks, Lyle Quasim, and I'm a regular uh, with the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective. And so I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with uh, some of the folks in there, but you guys are there every day. And I was really impressed with, today when I called you, you were working with a client, a person that, that had needed some help. And you said, hold on for one minute. You didn't put me on hold, but I got a chance <laughs> to hear you deal how you dealt with that person. It was very impressive. The compassion, the clarity, and the direction you gave that person. It was really, I was really impressed with the way you handled that. So well, thank uh, you. I understand the president's leaving. You have any ambitions to go to all the way to the top? Uh, one day. One day. <laughs> okay. Why don't you tell us, share with our listeners about some of the programs that are being implemented by the Tacoma Urban League to help uplift people? Can you say that one more time, sir? No, I wanted to find this, just talk about some of the programs that's being managed by the Tacoma Urban League to help uplift people in the community. Sure. So we have our male involvement program, which serves um, our male youth um, ages 9 to 14 um, in our elementary and middle school programs. Um, we also have a director of family engagement to advocate for families of uh, African-American kids in our schools. Uh, we have our mother baby support group that focuses on um, um, infant health, um, maternal health, and support for our African-American mothers in the community. And then we also have our Girls With Purpose program to mentor um, youth, girl youth ages um, 14 to 18. And uh, I know that, that a lot of the folks involved with, uh, the, who work at the Urban League also involved in many other community activities. Right. Uh, now, the big event is coming up Thursday, uh, October 6th. And you, it's going to be at, uh, the, the, tell me the hotel again. Hotel Murano. Hotel Murano. Is that, no, is, is that on uh, Pacific? Um, <laughs> it's on market. Okay. It's on the street from Pacific. Okay. It's downtown Tacoma. Yes. Okay. And uh, is there an email, I mean, a website uh, that, uh, address that you have that you can share with the folks uh, that so they can, like a lot of times people be so impressed with, well, say what you're talking about right now and how you're helping people, they'll send a check. They might not be able to make it, but I think that whatever resources we can generate will help somebody else that needs some help. So why don't you share with us that information uh, so people can get in contact and then we'll talk more about the empowerment better. Okay, so the community, community can always get in touch with the Tacoma Urban League via our website, via our website, the TacomaUrbanLeague.org or our social media platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can always call the Tacoma Urban League. We're always here to help and resource the community. Um, we're located in Tacoma. Um, call us Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday. We're here for, for the community. Mm -hmm. And now the big event is gonna be Thursday, October 6th. And why don't you tell us about the time, the location, and a little bit about how this you guys came up with this idea of having an empowerment dinner. Sure. So the our first empowerment awards was created in 19, I'm sorry, 2017. That was our first annual empowerment awards. And the goal was to recognize members in the community that are doing the work um, that we may not see them do, you know, working behind the scenes and they're making a difference in the community um, that, you know, embodies our mission. Um, so that's how the empowerment Awards was born, and we've done subsequent ones after that. So this will be our fifth annual Empowerment Awards, um, our first in-person event post-pandemic. Um, so we're very um, 
very proud of our community and we want to be able to recognize um, a few community members who are just, you know, doing the work um, and their labor and love in the community. Uh, is that a secret until David or? Uh, oh, I'll tell you what, why don't you tell them, name a few of the past awardees so they, we already know who they are. <laughs> so we recognize Chief uh, Toriano Green. He's our um, fire chief here in Tacoma, Washington. Uh, we've uh, recognized our um, being the village um, participants. Uh, they do doula work for Black Infant Health. Uh, we recognize those individuals. Um, there's, there's a lot to name, um, but the ones that we're naming this year, we'll keep those a secret at, um, until we present them at the um, dinner. Okay. Now, is there a website where people can go and access, get information, and also maybe uh, send a, a contribution? Sure. So um, you can visit our Tacoma Urban League website at the TacomaUrbanLeague.org. Um, it'll take you to the Empowerment Awards page, and there's a donate tab. You can register, donate, and attend the um, Empowerment Awards. Okay. Well, Michelle Ogden, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking time out to uh, be on Urban Forum Northwest, and uh, I will see you uh, October 6th uh, for the event. So thank you very okay. much. All right. And tickets are still on sale. We still have sponsorship opportunities. So feel free to contact us at 253-383-2007 if you have any questions or just send a message on our website. Okay, thank you very much, Michelle. We right. certainly appreciate uh, the information and you taking time out to be on Urban Forum Northwest today. So right. thank, thank you. Thank and, you I will, and I will see you on October 6th. I will be there now. Okay, I'll, I'll be, be looking for you. Okay, yeah. I'll be there. So thank you All very right. much. Okay, then we'll talk Bye. to you. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, Eric, we're going to take a quick break and then come back with Larry Gossip. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Going against the grain has never been this much fun. Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest with my next guest, Larry Gossett, former Kane County Council member, mover and shaker extraordinaire, one of the leaders in the, the Black Student Union, the University of Washington brought about all kinds of changes. Still went as W hat, was with the EOP program, helped close jobs down with Tyree Scott, always done something positive in the community. And now he's trying to make sure the people met, whose relatives have been here, ancestors have been here for 400 years, finally get compensated for uh, all of our years of uh, slavery and uh, unpaid wages. 
So uh, Larry has been working with uh, Ron Daniels. And Larry, what is, uh, 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 welcome, first of all, and thank you for thank taking you. time out to be here. What is Ron thank Daniels, uh, the name of the organization that's uh, going, dealing with, uh, with reparations? Yeah. Ron Daniels is, uh, Dr. Ron Daniels is the national chair of the African-American Reparations uh, Commission. And it's a national organization been in existence about five years. Uh, and Can you repeat that name? National African-American Reparations Commission. Ron is the um, executive director and president of it. Okay. And they've and been around for five years? Yeah. And... Uh, there's some other national um, uh, reparations groups that he was uh, involved with before that uh, that are still in existence, but I can't think of the name. But he's been working on this issue uh, along with people like uh, Congressman Conyers uh, since the late 1980s. So he's one of the most prominent national leaders. And uh, he told us recently that there's over 100 cities and about five states that have organized reparations uh, efforts going on uh, right now. And he'll be able to tell us that um, 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 we're only two shorts vote, two votes short in the House of Representatives of having enough uh, Congress persons in the House uh, to pass legislation requirement requiring our nation uh, to have a strong uh, commitment to reparations and to have specific programs aimed at giving relief to the harm uh, that slavery and racial discrimination has done to Black people in our nation. Well, that's something now. Uh, is that uh, Dr. Daniels? Uh, are you? Is that well? No, I guess that's somebody else has had an iPad up. But uh, for, in, in five years, uh, now uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee has also been instrumental in this effort, right? Right. And Ron, that's a good point, Eddie. Uh, Ron has been in the last few years working closely uh, with uh, uh, Sheila Jackson, our uh, House member and leader. Uh, on the issue of reparations, yes. Uh, well, we will be joined in a few minutes by Congressman Emanuel Cleaver uh, from uh, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, you know, uh, this is uh, this is uh, the Congressional Black Caucus uh, Week, and uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be hearing a lot about reparations. Hopefully, uh, Dr. Daniels will be uh, on, on one of the uh, uh, workshops discussing this, they usually have something on reparations about every year that I've been. So hopefully it's getting a little closer. Although I've been advocating for something, some instantaneous relief, like by having a, uh, a federal designation for African descendants of the United States enslaved. For a long time, they, they were fighting that. How do you know who is? Well, I see 23 and me know. And a lot of people have those old Bibles with all the names of everybody. So no, we know yeah. who they are. <clears throat> Yeah, and I'm one of those people. I have three uh, great grandfathers. Notice I didn't say great, great, who were all born slaves in That's the United right. States. That's right. Like like my great grandmother was yeah. born into slavery, but uh, that was a whole different story back in those days. Uh, Larry, it, it, a lot of people are saying, uh, why should we get reparations? And they, you know, and I debate some people. Well, why do blacks want preferential treatment? I say, well, why don't you pay me the first 250 years of slavery and let's go from there? Had it not been for slavery, America would not be an economic power. And we have situations like in Haiti, where black folks fought for their freedom, Toussaint Louverture, and kicked Napoleon Napoleon's army out of Haiti, and then the United States and France made Haiti pay reparations for 50 years because they just, they hurt France, the uh, French's, uh, France's economy because the slaves wasn't picking cotton. And so that's why that country still doesn't have an infrastructure. And it's just abdominal 
on how a black country in the Western hemisphere could be treated like that. We can send money all around the world, but we can't send it down to this black country uh, in the Western hemisphere. Your yeah. comments or thoughts on that? Uh, uh, Eddie, it's completely irrational, foolish, ignorant, and insulting uh, for people to say that African-Americans are trying to uh, get something without working for it by demanding uh, reparations. Uh, you hit upon it, but now I'm going to reinforce it a little bit. In this, in colonial America, and during the first 100 years of the uh, birth of what we call the United States of America. If you put those two time periods together, uh, the first Africans that were clearly documented, you and I and many of those in the listening audience know that there are African people on this North American continent before 1619. Well, it's fully documented that in Jamestown, Virginia, uh, on, on the afternoon of August 4, 1619, that a, a Portuguese ship came in the uh, harbor and said, man, we got 18, uh, we got 19 Negroes still on here that we haven't been able to sail. And some of the elite plantation or farm owners, whatever term you want to use, uh, <clears throat> surrounding the uh, uh, Jamestown area of, of uh, Virginia uh, and some of the businessmen in that area that had a little money quickly came forth and said that we will purchase these uh, Negro, they call them Negroes or something like that. We'll purchase these Africans and they did indeed purchase them, uh, they thought, you know, felt that they were purchasing them as permanent laborers, even from the get. Although some of them, uh, those original 19, a couple of them were able to eventually get free through payment or other ways. A couple of them uh, were treated as indentured servants, uh, but the overall majority of them worked the rest of their life for no pay. That was the foundation. After they became slaves, more than 90% of the Africans born in this country or they were brought here by being stolen from Africa and going through the Middle Passage and being able to live through that horrific uh, situation, worked all day, every day for no pay up until uh, June 19th, 18th. 1865, uh, and as you also said, that laid the foundation for the building of wealth uh, in this country, and particularly in the 19th century, cotton became an extremely valuable product that uh, Bristol and other big cities in England became filthy rich over setting up uh, cotton mills to produce clothing for all of Europe, America, and other places. So when President uh, Abraham Lincoln became the president uh, in 1860, uh, the Southern states said, oh, this guy has been talking about ending slavery. He must be a fool if he think we don't go for him taking away the foundation of the most effective way of making wealth in the world. They didn't say in the nation, in the world. Uh, and at that time, uh, the, the 4 million people who were African slaves in the US were worth more than all of the industrial manufacturing farms, industry, railroads, shipbuilding entities combined, Eddie, just the value of the workers. And then what they did was the number one crop. It was 69, it was producing 69% of all the wealth in our country in 1860. So it's really difficult and unfathomable and act absolutely a lie for people to say that black people didn't uh, work in this country, didn't contribute in this country. They did the overwhelming majority of the work that made this country 
uh, that, that laid the foundation for the wealth that we have today, Eddie. So it's unfathomable for us to allow people, black, white, whatever, to get away with saying that uh, black people are lazy and they want something for nothing. We've never gotten our reparation. Valeria, have there ever anybody ever established a dollar amount, or is it a one-time payment? Because um, my position is that if we get in the system now, identified, if we're going to talk about reparations, that means that something is forthcoming. But what about right here and now? What about having yeah. a federal uh, a, a designated uh, the African African descent United States enslaved? We know what we know who we are. Every federal agency. I mean, it's like the Bureau of Indian Affairs. You know, it's like all the time. I heard the Black Mayor of New York talk. We are nation of immigrants. No, we're not. They just found the Indian canoe that was three thousand years old. Okay, uh, it's a nation of Indians, immigrants, and slaves, and they always want to leave the slavery part out, and it's unacceptable because uh, I guess some Republicans say that's critical race theory if if you if you, t if you tell the truth about what happened to Black folks in America. Right. Uh, let me answer the first part of your question. Yes, there have been researchers uh, that put a whole bunch of factors together and have suggested uh, what the accumulated value of free slave labor uh, meant to the uh, large number of white men uh, over the centuries who owned slaves and got profit from it. And Dr. Darity, who is currently a professor at Duke University in uh, North Carolina, is one of the more prominent uh, intellectuals that has done, dealt with this issue. And he said the value of slave labor to the United States of America was $34 trillion. I mean, we obviously are never going to get that kind of money uh, given to the 38 million Black people today, but we certainly uh, are overwhelmingly deserve, and there shouldn't be any discussion about it, uh, some harm reduction uh, efforts uh, made by a, a, a leadership in this country that calls itself the most democratic country in the world. It would be progressive. It would be the right thing to do. If some harm reduction uh, resources were provided to African-American households in this country. Let me quickly add that here in Seattle, Washington, we have the second highest uh, wealth differential. This information was provided in 2018 by the FYI guy in the Seattle Times. His real name is Eugene uh, Balk. I, I don't know what for your information FYI means, uh, but he said uh, three years ago that the wealth gap between the average white household in Seattle, Washington and the average black household in Seattle, Washington is the broadest in this country and it's even broader than whatever existed in South Africa when talk, comparing uh, wealth for black households or white households. Let me get to the point. In Seattle, Washington, the wealth gap is uh, eight, 18 times uh, greater for white households in Seattle than it is for blacks. The specific numbers are, for those people who might wanna check it out, 436,000 household wealth on average for whites in Seattle, $37,000, the average wealth uh, of black households in Seattle, Washington. And uh, I read an article uh, in 2019 that said 25% of all black families in in Seattle, Eddie don't even have enough money to pay five dollars to start a, a bank account, and we're not talking about Jackson. Larry, what is the, what is the black population of Seattle right now, of the Central District and the city itself? Oh uh, no, it's 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 gone down. It's down to fifty one thousand. Um, uh, but in the county of Mar in Martin Luther King Jr. County, Eddie, it's about one hundred and seventy four thousand. 
black. What would you say? What would you say the black population of the Central District, where we once once 81, 88 percent of the population? Yeah, when Martin Luther King came here on November 8th and 9th uh, to help uh, the late great uh, Reverend Dr. Samuel B. McKinney uh, and community councils around in the Central area initiate open housing movement. Uh, 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 you and I were there. Uh, Dr. King uh, told the students at Garfield that, Seattle, that the central area of Seattle, one neighborhood in Seattle now holds 88% of all the Black people. Mary, we've been, we've been joined by Congressman Emmanuel Cleaver. Uh, yeah. Congressman Cleaver, are you on the line? I am here. Okay, that's uh, Larry Gossett, yeah. King County Council member, BSU leader. Uh, I think he was in SNCC. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther. He did it all. Yeah. And, he, and uh, he's uh, uh, married to, to Angelo's cousin. <laughs> right, wow. right. Okay. So, Congressman Cleaver, you know, this is a big weekend coming up in D.C., Larry. This mm. is uh, this is the first time in three years, con Congressman? Uh, the, yeah, this uh, is the first time in two years that, that we have had our annual legislative conference where uh, thousands of people, uh, African-Americans, come to Washington from all over the country and, and actually from some of the territories uh, and, and the nation like, uh, like, like Bermuda. The president usually comes uh, uh, from Bermuda. And we have uh, all kinds of, as you know, you, you, you're here almost every year. Uh, we, 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 uh, it's, a, it's not a party. We have, uh, beginning tomorrow, all kinds of workshops and panels where we bring in the, mess, the best minds to deal with the issues facing um, Black America, uh, from uh, issues like uh, affordable housing, which I will be doing. Uh, I'll have the mayor from San Francisco, uh, the secretary of, uh, of commerce, African-American, uh, the uh, secretary of, uh, I'm sorry, secretary of uh, administrator of, of the SBA, uh, and the uh, uh, secretary, uh, sec the second uh, secretary in commerce. Uh, and and so we will uh, have all of these uh, workshops. Uh, whether you want, you're interested in what happens uh, out in the country when people are trying to get local communities to pass legislation to make sure that there's some equity in the contracting of cities and states and so forth. It, it's it's something that I I really enjoy. And and uh, I know it's a long way from uh, from Seattle to Washington, but uh, it, it it's uh, it's something that I think uh, all communities. Uh, should have uh, at least some some person attend. Uh, this is the gathering of the leadership of Black America. Just about any African American leader, from uh, the Vice President uh, Pre Vice President Harris uh, uh, to Reverend Al Sharpton, the Reverend Jesse Jackson. It, it is something that I think most Black people would be just proud to just see all of these strong men and women. Uh, who are committed to the to the to the movement? And uh, is Larry? You have a question, Kevin? Yeah, and Eddie, he uh, he he mentioned to you the focus. Uh, Representative Cleaver mentioned to you the focus on housing right before you joined us, brother. Eddie and I were just talking about housing is the foundational way in which uh, families in the United States garner wealth. And I was just telling Eddie that in, here in Seattle, we have the largest, second largest wealth gap in the entire nation. San Francisco's is first. We're second. And the average white household in Seattle uh, has uh, wealth of uh, 436,000. The average black family in Seattle has wealth of only 37,000. Uh, white wealth is 18 times greater, and it's a horrible uh, situation to be in. Thank you, Eddie, for letting okay. me share that with him. Sure. Congressman Cleaver, when Rubus received less than 1% of the Wait. contracts, that's what ended up happening. So go right ahead. Yeah, when, when, you, when, you, uh, when you talk about affordable housing, and, and I, chair the, I chair the Housing Subcommittee, um, uh, the HUD Oversight Committee, uh, I, I can tell you that uh, uh, some of the other places may not be as dire uh, as uh, Seattle, but there are a few communities that are uh, that, that are able to 
uh, stand up and, and have a, one of its leaders declare that their city is uh, uh, completely handling the issue of of, um, uh, of affordable housing correctly. Yeah, and, and, and yeah nobody is. They, just, they can't do it. And and uh, if, you, if you wonder about how bad things are, uh, go down to Los Angeles and go to, to uh, uh, the, the, the uh, area that's, that's kind of almost set aside in, in Los Angeles uh, for the homeless. And I, I can assure you, just as sure as uh, today is Tuesday, that you'll almost want to throw up, number one. And number two, it'll make you realize uh, of just how ugly our nation looks to the world uh, when you see how uh, a large number of, of, Amer- uh, of Americans uh, are living uh, in our uh, second largest city in, in the country. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's ugly, it's deplorable, it's nasty, uh, and uh, there are, they, these kind of communities are popping up all over the country. And mm-hmm. uh, we are hoping uh, that... Uh, you know, we we had hoped that we were going to pass the the, the bill back better legislation. We we did. We passed a smaller version of it. But I was invited by, uh, to come to the White House for the president's very first meeting after he was sworn in, and I would I was there with uh, Mitt Romney uh, uh, from the Senate side and about five or six others, and we talked about Build Back Better. And I didn't know it at the time because when they invited me to come over to the meeting, they didn't tell me what my role would be. But I was uh, the, after the meeting ended, I, and many of us were standing around in the Oval Office, including by the uh, president, President Biden and his staff. Uh, they said we uh, we invited you over here to talk about housing, and we told the president you were going to talk about affordable housing. And then when you finished talking about affordable housing, you were going to take off and talk about affordable housing again. And uh, and and I said you you didn't let us down. It it is one of the most significant issues facing America. And, yeah. and it, it, it might be the crisis issue facing black America, uh, you know, because uh, Skid Row in Los Angeles will tell you that. But, but even more so, when we had the, the uh, uh, 2008 economic collapse added to uh, the uh, results of the COVID uh, crisis, uh-huh. the, the three-year COVID crisis that, that, that we're still dealing with in, in many ways, Hit. Yes. Uh, African Americans lost lost uh, uh, more property disproportionately, uh, more property than than any other group in America. Uh, Latinos yeah. were not far behind, but we lost more of our homes. And as you said earlier, when I first came on the line, uh, you know that's that's how we transfer wealth. If we don't have home ownership, if we don't own dirt, if we don't own land, uh, our progeny, our children, and their children, and their children, will never be able to get up get out of this hole. We've got to leave them something that God is not making uh, anymore, and that's and that's dirt. And so we 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 have an obligation. If we had built that better, we were going to spend we were going to, we were going to spend four hundred billion dollars uh, across the country uh, to uh, uh, beef up housing, affordable housing, uh, clean up some of the old pro- uh, public housing, and then also uh, inspire with finances. Um, or entice, I guess maybe a better word, uh, developers to build low, uh, uh, affordable housing and to and to and I, I, I my committee handles the community development block grant program, and uh, all communities get money and maybe Seattle as well, uh, based on on the poor people. So uh, we have been able to increase the community development block grant dollars significantly since uh, we took over. Uh, and that means it should mean that there are more dollars available for neighborhoods, uh, uh, neighborhood uh, uh, CDCs or developers to, to do affordable housing. Uh, and and yeah. CDBG dollars are the most flexible dollars on planet Earth by any government in the world. The most flexible. And Larry, uh, we're going to take a quick break and come right back. Would y'all hold on for a minute, please? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, because I want to let people know that uh, Urban Forum Northwest is brought to us by the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Diversity and Inclusion, the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Division, 
SeaTac Bar Group LLC. They own Africa Lounge and the Mount Boom Bar on Concourse A. And that's Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill. So we're gonna take a break and come right back. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seatacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Working hard to put a smile on your face. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, Eddie Ride back at Urban Forum Northwest with Larry Gossett and Congressman Emanuel Cleaver. Congressman Cleaver is talking about uh, this week's uh, Congressional Black Caucus Annual Legislative Conference and how important it is. So Congressman Cleaver, go right ahead, because a lot of people want to know, uh, are they able to see this? Will it be uh, streamed live, any of the, uh, the workshops and events? Well, <clears throat> yeah, this, this is uh, the, the, the nation's... Uh, uh, you know, leading policy conference, and and uh, we're doing it in person for the first time in two years. Uh, it, it it will run uh, from September 28th to October 2nd, and uh, it it'll be here in uh, in Washington. And and our theme this year is uh, I hope I can get it right. George Beatty, as the chair, would come after me. Uh, so I think I think it's advancing our purpose, elevating our power. Uh, and we're asking for a year of action, and, and we're ho- hoping uh, to to, to uh, uh, get, you know, as we usually do, thousands of people from around the country. Uh, and so, and this is kind of a year of reuniting and and, and uh, focusing on on raising our, our voices and our perspectives. Uh, you know, with, with pride, you know, we, we're going to engage and and explore uh, uh, policy and uh, and some of the the most Critical issues of, of the day, uh, and uh, we this is a hybrid. You asked the question earlier. We, we're kind of reinvigorated by the, the new hybrid ALC structure. Uh, we, for example, our dinner at times have had we've had as many as eight thousand people at, our, at the Saturday dinner, which, which uh, concludes the, the the conference. This year, uh, it's about cut in half, uh, uh, but uh, we we think that it's still a good deal. Uh, you know, we, we are at the convention, Walter E. Washington, black first black mayor of Washington, named after him, a convention center, uh, for this five-day event. Uh, and it, 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 it will end with uh, the, the Phoenix Awards uh, dinner and then uh, what they call a, a black party uh, And uh, when, it, when it's all over. Uh, and so, we, you know, people in Seattle can participate. They, they can uh, uh, register uh online uh you know if, if they go to the congressional black caucus foundation uh that is the parent uh company it's not put on by the congressional black caucus it, it's important that's important uh it is the foundation uh that does it the cbc foundation 
and 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 so we're we're, we're having a hybrid, which means that most of the sessions, uh, you know, you can see online. And and I think many people, if you see it online, you'll want to be here uh, next year. Uh, that you know, people there are people who have not, never met one since it started 51 years ago. And at one time, it was, they just said in 72, I think they had it at the Washington, for the first few years, at the Washington Hilton. That's right. Because it was only like 13 members of CBC at that time. Now you have how many? Well, we have 62. Ooh. Now, the bad news is that some of them are in jeopardy as a result of... Uh, of Redistricting? Uh, so we, we, know, we know we have lost one for sure. Uh, we we may we may lose three or four others, but uh, it's you know these are the times that try me and souls. <laughs> when you look at what 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 has been organized uh, in in an attempt to 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 hurt us, the first African American I'm through with this. Uh, the first African American, uh, first uh, uh, Native American elected to Congress, Sharice Davis, uh, from over in Kansas, not in Missouri where I am, but over in Kansas. Kansas uh, the redistricting took the entire black community of KCK, Kansas City, Kansas, out of her district. Oh they, they were going to support her as they did in the two previous elections. Okay, well, uh, I want to thank you and Larry G., uh, Congressman, and I will be in D.C., so I'll, I'll see you real soon. Uh, Larry, thank you very much for all you're doing, and then we'll have to hook up with Dr. Ron Daniels so we can hear oh, about the executive director and president of the National uh, uh, National Association uh, uh, for Reparations Commission, right? Is that what it's called? African American Reparations National African American Reparations. Okay. Yes. So, thank you, thank Eddie. You very much, I'll see you soon, Larry. Thank you very much. All right. Yes, and sir. Talking to you again next week. All this right. Eddie Rye with another edition of uh, Urban Forum Northwest. And remember, I might see you tonight, Eddie. I'll, I'll see you uh, later on, Larry. All right. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Okay. Bye bye.